Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. First, we focus on local municipal political battles going on. Of course, we have an election coming up here in a couple of weeks. And we have a quite an interesting promise from Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart yesterday out with his new plan and his new promise to expand SkyTrain in Vancouver. We've got Alvin Singh standing by to discuss. First, have a listen to Stewart here speaking yesterday. We need to be ambitious. We need to be aggressive. I want to get the UBCX uh, extension built by 2030. And then we would think this would be kind of 2040, 2045 before that would be all completed. Okay, let's discuss it now with my guest, Alvin Singh. Alvin is running for Vancouver City Council with Mayor Kennedy Stewart's Forward Together Party. I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Alvin, thank you for coming on today. Good to be back. Okay, let's break down this promise here from your party here on SkyTrain. So you're, this is, you're calling this the Vancouver Loop for this SkyTrain extension. Where would this be built? So, yeah, it, it would incorporate a fully built-out UBC extension to the Broadway line, but it would also help connect Vancouver to Metrotown. And so you would have this southern SkyTrain line that would go from Metrotown through Killarney, Fraserview Sunset on 41st or on 49th, and then up around 41st, and then a loop back up to UBC, really connecting the entire city and really bringing in an underserved part of the city, South Vancouver, that hasn't seen the type of transit investment that it needs. This is already the busiest bus lane in British Columbia that doesn't already have a SkyTree plan for it. Right. And parts of this are already under construction, as you mentioned. Parts of it are sort of in the planning stages. Like the key sort of new part here with would it be that 41st and 49th avenue corridors there yeah absolutely this is something yeah. that's actually already in the long-term transportation 2050 plan it's something that mayors have all agreed to so this is one of many priorities for the region but what the mayor and what forward together is talking about is we have a opportunity to really advocate for this if you don't ask senior levels of government if you don't tell them what your priorities are you get left behind and we've seen this before Kennedy was elected, Montreal, Toronto, they would be able to go to Ottawa and, and get what they needed. And we weren't doing that. What Kennedy was able to show is if you advocate, if you push for things, we can get things done. That's why we've gotten UBCX across the line. And now it's time to look at what's next. And the Vancouver okay. Loop is what's next. How much would it cost and where would you get the money? Well, like with any of these large projects, it's a little bit further in the future. So the, all the planning would be able to find out you know, exactly how much everything costs. But like all transit projects, this is going to be something that's shared by TransLink and the local authorities, as well as the provincial government and the federal government. But we know from how enthusiastic Ottawa especially was to get UBCX uh, all the way to UBC, they're really wanting to focus on transit in cities. They know that it helps get uh, Canada's climate targets on the right track, and it also helps to get Canada's housing targets on the right track. So this is something that we think that they would be really excited about. Okay. So you don't know how much it would cost then. We're, t- we're talking billions and multi-billions of dollars, though. 
Of right? course, trans- transit yeah. How many? How many? Bi- how many billions? Like how many billions are we talking here? Can you ballpark it? I, I don't think we can ballpark it now. We'd, we'd have to talk to experts about how this how this works. But this is going to be an investment in the future, like any transit line, like what's happening right now in Langley, what's happening on Broadway. Uh, but this yeah. is something that whenever it's done, it's always a huge, huge um, success. People love it. And it also helps to unlock climate investment and housing investment. How do you know, like, you can't, the city can't pay for this on their own. You have to have the feds on board. You got to have the provinces on board. You already touched on that. So is there any commitment from them to, to build this? No, not as, not, not as of right now, but this is the thing. If you don't ask for it, you're not going to get those commitments. We saw the exact same thing with UBCX. The project was languishing when the mayor took office, and now we've gotten across the line. So we can do the same thing with this. We have to ask for it. We have to be bold and aggressive, and that's what we plan to do. Okay, the plan already being attacked by your opponents, Alvin, as you know. And so let's have a little listen to that. So you're going to hear Ken Sim here who is running against Kennedy Stewart for mayor, also Colleen, Councillor Colleen Hardwick, also running for mayor on a different slate, candidates. Both of them here, you'll hear them here criticizing this promise to expand the SkyTrain system. Here's what they had to say, then I'll get your thoughts. You have to go through a consultation process, and it takes a lot of work. And to announce this a couple of weeks before an election uh, with nothing behind it, it's kind of ridiculous. Sparkle ponies and pixie dust. No, it's not realistic. Okay, so she calls it sparkles pony, sparkle ponies and pixie dust. Not realistic. No plan. No, no, no price tag on it. What do you say? Well, to I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that both Kenson and Colleen Hardwick don't believe in in this transit expansion. Both of them don't didn't agree that we should expand to UBC. Now we're going to UBC. So look, uh, they don't believe in transit investment. We believe in transit investment. And we believe that this is a project. It's already in the long term plan. It's something that has been consulted. It's something that all the mayors in the region have agreed to. It's part of a long list. And the job of the mayor of the city of Vancouver is to advocate for the residents of Vancouver. If you go into things with a defeatist uh, attitude that you that we can't we can't do this, this is unrealistic. Well, we're never going to get anything done. So but the mayor has shown that when you advocate for something, you can get it. Right. So the promise is not to actually build this SkyTrain system, this Vancouver Loop, but to advocate to build for it. Like if he gets reelected, he'll he'll advocate to these other yeah, levels just, of government. To, like I, okay. Absolutely, just like we did with UBCX, and now it's it's across the finish line. Where we've got a fully funded business case, and as you know, Mike, when we've got business cases, things d- develop much faster afterwards. We've already seen it just about a month and a half ago. Uh, the province announced that the business case uh, in Langley and in, in Surrey was was approved, and they're okay. already looking for tenders to to help build that line. Alvin, thank you for coming on. Absolutely, anytime. All right. Vancouver Mayor Kennedy Stewart on the campaign trail here calling for this expansion or promising this expansion of SkyTrain. He calls it the Vancouver Loop. Is it a loopy idea? Well, there's no price tag on it. There's no commitment from other levels of government to get behind it. You absolutely need that to build a project of this scale. Phone me on it now and tell me what you think of the idea. 604 280-9898, star 9898 on your cell. Let's check in with Vancouver City Councilor Lisa Dominato running for re-election with ABC Vancouver. Councilor, thank you for coming on. Good morning, Mike. Good morning to you. What do you think of this idea from the mayor? 
Well, I, I think at the outset, let's be clear, we all support public transit. But frankly, um, Kennedy Stewart's announcement really is a re-announcement of TransLink's Transport 2050 plan and a reaffirmation of the Vancouver plan, which all three ABC councillors voted in favour of. Okay. Okay. So you support this in principle then? So there's no news in this. Is in fact yeah, it's simply yeah. a rehash of Transport 2050. Uh, TransLink's already contemplating rapid transit in that corridor. And I think what we need to think about is the fact that uh, we haven't yet funded and found funding to support an extension of the Broadway line to yeah. UBC. And that is one of the top priorities of ABC Vancouver is to um, get the Broadway line through and the extension through to UBC. Yeah, I've heard that a lot here in the last 24 hours. What about that UBC connection? Now we now he's talking about this loop. Like, what is the status of the UBC project? Yeah, so that still needs to, to we're up to Arbutus, uh, but yeah. there still needs to be funding from all different levels of government to support the extension to UBC. And, and as you and I talked, I think, well over probably two years ago, this yeah. is the busiest corridor in North America. So that needs to be prioritized. And then ABC is also prioritizing a fixed link to the North Shore. Again, we're seeing rapid density there and significant congestion. So we also think there needs to be uh, rapid transit and a fixed link to the North Shore. Okay, speaking to Vancouver City Councillor Lisa Dominato running for re-election. Lots of calls on this. Let's squeeze a couple in here. Ryan in Vancouver. Ryan, what do you think? Well, I appreciate Lisa Dominato's clarification. I think she'd be a better mayoral candidate than Ken Sim. Uh, He scared me into voting for Kennedy Stewart last time. I'm a a soon-to-be BC United member, and I voted for Stewart because he supported the UBC extension. Um, and uh, mm. I'm going to do that again if uh, Ken Sim keeps up his ways. So, yeah, and Colleen Hardwick's just not an option. Her anti-trans stuff, no. Okay, so you're so you're buying this promise from the mayor on SkyTrain? Yeah, I mean, all you can, all you can do is try, but it, it, it's it's 2040s. You got to do a lot of groundwork, and I think we need to yeah. start. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for the call, Councillor. Your thoughts. Yeah, well, again, what I'd reiterate is that right now uh, we have a significant opportunity, and that is to prioritize the extension of the Broadway line to UBC. It is a significant corridor, and that is definitely a top priority for ABC Vancouver. Richard in Vancouver. Hi, Richard. Go ahead. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, I think this is the signs of a desperate mayor trying to change the channel and trying to – I agree with Colleen Hardwick. And you know what, ABC there – that's just a new MPA in Vancouver. It's a developer party basically wanting more and more density and to keep their friends and their developer friends uh, well, well-funded and happy in Vancouver. I mean, it, this okay, is well, insanity. It's a waste of money taking that UBC line, uh, that, uh, that rail line out to UBC. It'll be a billion-dollar waste of money what's after ubc our biggest priority should be the traffic coming in on that freeway every day from chilliwack and white rapid mm. rail up chilliwack would be the best thing what we could do is to alleviate carbon and all the craziness and the traffic that's coming into vancouver every day okay richard thank you for the call let's squeeze another call in here trevor in vancouver hi trevor go ahead hey, hey trevor uh, i'm sorry <laughs> my surprise not surprised with your last comment or last caller being a team supporter and against something against absolutely everything now this this to get back to the actual point here yeah Stewart's here obviously this is a hail mary pass two weeks before the election a plan that's already in the works half-baked idea Singh doesn't even know the, the cost of it you think if he came on your show he might want to have the, the basic details but once again a joke by kennedy stewart in desperation and uh and that's why i'd be supporting yeah in this election. i mean i asked uh, alvin Singh, who's running with the mayor here on his slate like, how mm-hmm. much would this cost, Councillor? And he said, well, 
We don't. <laughs> we don't know. We got to figure that out, that part out later. Like, what do you what do you think about putting a a promise of this scale, this magnitude, in front of voters two weeks before an election? There's no price tag on it. Yeah, well, I tend to agree with a couple of your last callers there. That this seems like a desperate camp- campaign ploy on the part of the mayor to try to garner votes and. And perhaps it's a deflection on the fact that he uh, supported and voted in favor of advancing road pricing in the city. And so, but um, it does seem a bit desperate on his part. Thank you for coming on today. Thanks a lot, Mike. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, welcome back to the show. Let's talk about this outrageous ripoff for desperate tenants looking for a decent, affordable place to live. You know what? This is a super tough rental market right now. You've got very low vacancy rates. Rents are sky high. If you can find a place, oftentimes it's overpriced. It's a dump. And that's why people are so desperate. And it's also the reason why scammers and con artists are having a field day. And we've talked a lot about this on the show in the past. There are a lot of rental ripoffs out there. It's usually just an online thing, like it's a fake photo on Facebook or Craigslist and some scammer trying to get you to send them money without even seeing the place. Those ones, I think, are potentially easy to spot. But this one in Victoria... Man, oh man, this is I maybe the worst one I've heard about so far. Like this is a rental scam unlike any other. You got a string of victims who fell for this. Victoria police saying this is a, a brazen and sophisticated scam. Got Bowen Osoko standing by from the Victoria Police Department. First, have a listen to this report here now from Global News reporter Kylie Stanton. Is right downtown Pandora Ave. In Victoria's tight rental market, finding something that checks all the boxes is tough to come by. It's really nice looking. So when a listing like this comes up, you jump on it. Yeah, we were looking online and we ended up finding this place on Craigslist. This student who does not want to be identified and her partner made arrangements to view the apartment. The alleged landlord let them in using a key fob, brought them upstairs and proceeded to show them around told us a lot about the building, discussed the utilities, like he had this whole story about it. After checking their references, the couple was offered the place. They signed a rental agreement and paid a $900 damage deposit and later half a month's rent, all in cash, as requested. It wasn't until moving day they realized something was terribly wrong. I took the keys, turned around, went to try them on the building, and they did not work. Realizing they had been scammed, they reported it and posted the story to Reddit, asking, any advice, any similar stories we can tell police? And multiple people um, commented and private messaged us saying, like, pieces of your story are exactly the same as what happened to me. Yeah, she's not the only one. Other people have been ripped off. There have been multiple victims here. And what I find astonishing here is the guy, 
You know, they sh- they actually had a, an apartment. They showed people around in this apartment. I mean, you know, once you're inside the apartment, you're looking around at it. It would seem legit, wouldn't it? Let's talk about it now with my guest, Bowen Osoko, a spokesperson for the Victoria Police Department. Very pleased to welcome him back, Bowen. Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, thanks for thanks for having us. Uh, this is a, a, a brazen, brazen uh, series of rental frauds with with so far we've identified 10 victims and it's, it's exactly exactly as you're describing this is one of the more outrageous ones we've ever seen yeah what would you how would you say it's it's brazen or more outrageous than other ones we've seen like these things these type of scams are are pretty common out there but this one takes it to a new level yeah there's a kind of a there's a, a level of exploitation in this one that's just very challenging uh for for the victims and I, I've been working uh, for the Victoria Police Department for 10 years, and this is probably the most brazen fraud that I've seen. I have never seen a fraud where someone who is is defrauding someone will meet with them on more than one occasion, let yeah. alone meet with victims in person. That that in and of itself is rare. But the the depth which these the suspect and the suspect's accomplice appear to have gone in order to really convince people that these appear to be legitimate um, rentals, um, the, the, the global news report that you played, that's exactly what, what we were seeing. People would find that apartment, they would go, they would look at it, uh, they would meet the person in person, they would get a tour of what they believed to be a, a legitimate apartment, um, the, they would fill out a rental agreement. In many occasions, the, the suspects actually called people's references yeah. <laughs> and asked for references for them. Oh. Um, and it wasn't until people have moving vehicles and they're trying to use a key fob to get into the building that they realize that they have been taken and often for thousands of dollars. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, when once you're inside the suite and you're looking around and the guy is telling you all about the suite, all about the building, all about the utilities, I mean, you can understand why someone would would fall for that. Like, do you have? How was he able to get into a building and show people around if it was a scam? Yeah. So the uh, the, the reality is, I actually myself have rented, like, I've rented apartments and followed the exact same thing that many yeah. victims in these problems have, have done. Um, and so it, yeah, it seems entirely legitimate. The way that that these people are getting into the buildings is they're often targeting short-term rentals, Airbnbs, VRBOs, oh, okay. taking pic- taking their own pictures of this of the of the uh, space once they're in there. And of course, it looks really nice because it's set up as a short-term vacation rental and then posting it on Craigslist for the period of time that they're there. The yeah. Victoria rental market vac- the vacancy rate is, you know, 1% or less. And so people people will jump on something that looks like it's uh, like it's first of all available and secondly um, priced a little bit below, and that's what they're doing, pricing them just a little bit below what a market rental would be for that area. Yeah, right. Like in the one that we heard there in that global news report, I believe the asking rent was 1800 bucks a month. Yeah, and that's, yeah. And that's, that's for Victoria, that's, that's very affordable. And sure. unfortunately, it's, it's that first thing, that first thing to look for is if it looks too good to be true, especially in this rental market, there's a good chance it is. Um, but there's not a lot, of, a lot of things that people can, can, could do here in order to really avoid it. Now that we're aware of the mechanisms of the scam, we're able to help people learn what to look for. But in this case, very, very challenging and very, very brazen. I mean, they had scams going on uh, in a building that we ran a search warrant on. I'd like for a search warrant for like an unrelated? No, no. So we were doing a search warrant related to these files. So investigators, they identified uh, an accomplice, 
got a search warrant to search an apartment or a suite in a multi-unit residential building. And as they're in the process of doing the search warrant, they discover that all the pieces have been put in place to start another scam in another unit in the same building. <laughs> so they, they, attend, they attend that unit. They're able to, to head off the scam at that point. Uh, and then that's part of what led us to that, that search for the suspect. Yeah. These folks are so brazen that yeah. the suspects defraud somebody in, 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 uh, in a building. That person gets to hold the property manager of the building. The property manager posing as a potential renter gets a hold of the suspect. And the suspect shows the property manager a suite in the building for rent. And their property manager is videotaping them the entire time with their phone. And at that point, they confront they confront them and say, "Well, I'm the property manager for this building. I I know that this suite isn't for rent. It's it's, oh. a, it's a short-term rental. That's how we got that suspect picture that we're asking people to take a look at." Wow. Speaking of Bowen Osoko from the Victoria Police Department about this rental scam in Victoria, like. You know, you even heard the the victim there saying that they even check my references out. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you supply references and that's so sophisticated this was. They actually phoned the references and asked and, and checked out the references, probably hoping that gets back to the to the mark, to the target here, right? Just so it re- reassures them, makes it seem even more legit, right? Absolutely. And th- yeah. these scams were, would extend over weeks and months. Um so they would they would set the hook early. Uh, by showing the suite and then provide, oh, the, you know, they provide a series of updates, contact the references, and often the updates would include, a, oh, there's been a leak in the in the bathroom, and so we need to push back your move-in date by another 15 days. Um, mm. You know, and and there'd be apologies there. So often there's an elaborate story. The person, there's two people that we believe involved. The main suspect they're asking people to take a look at. Uh, they were actually arrested when someone that they had scammed uh, spotted them in a grocery store. They call police and police officers arrive. The suspect does was wanted on a warrant out of Saanich, which of course is a neighboring municipality to Victoria, uh, for a 2015 file that generated 36 criminal charges for different types of frauds. So this is someone wow. who is a professional at fraud. Um, but the irony is that the officer went to arrest them. They gave the officer a false name and the officer said, you know, I arrested you <laughs> not that long ago, so I actually know who you are. Um, but even then, that person tried to stick to their story and gave officers a very elaborate story as to where their ID was and how they didn't have a passport and such. And it wasn't until the officer said, no, no, this is the file number that I arrested you on, and this is what your name uh, is. Oh, the no. person came clean. So the, the, the brazenness here is, 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 is quite, um, quite key. Yeah. Hey, Bowen, last question for you. Like, mm-hmm. How can people avoid this type of scam? Like, Was there anything that should have set off an alarm bell? When someone's asking you for cash... Should that be a warning sign there? Like, you know, I want cash for the damage deposit and the and, a, and the first month's rent. Like, if they're asking for cash, should that set off the alarm bell? Uh, well, these days in this rental market, lots of people are do are asking for for cash or e transfers. There's three quick things that that I can tell people that uh, that they should yeah. consider doing. First, if some um, don't hand over the money until you get the keys, and then try them. Try them at that exact moment. Secondly, although although someone handing you a key fob like that, yeah, I can understand how that would that would fool someone. Secondly, um, we've checked with the privacy commissioner. It is okay to ask your landlord for the, for their ID, and it is okay to show them your ID. That's probably a good thing when you're talking about thousands of dollars. And the third thing is if you're going to be sh- if you're going to be e-transferring, keep receipts for everything because that is partly how we are able to untangle and connect all of these different frauds. Thank you for coming on today. Oh, thank you. Glad to talk about it. 
we saw the place and we saw this guy multiple times. He led us into multiple buildings. Um, the apartment was fairly priced and he called our references. He gave me the keys and the fob, the same ones that he used when we initially went there to view it. And he said he would just be back in a moment. <laughs> yeah, no, he wasn't back in a moment. That was the moment of the sting there in this ripoff we're talking about in Victoria, this brazen rental scam in Victoria, multiple victims there, police investigating. You heard my conversation there with the spokesperson for the Victoria Police Department. You know, a guy letting people into these units, show them around, checking their references. The whole thing's a scam. Let's check in with Robert Patterson. Robert is a rental rights lawyer at the Tenant Resource and Advisory Center. Hey, Robert, thanks for coming on again. Hi, thanks for having me. This is a pretty brazen one, right? I mean, I know you've seen a lot of ripoffs and scams over the years. What do you think of this one? It's definitely more involved than a lot of others we've seen. I, I think generally in rental scams break down into two categories. You have those where the person that a tenant deals with, the person that rips them off, actually does own that rental property, and there's some kind of shadiness or bait and switch in terms of what they might actually get during their tenancy. Then, on the other hand, you have scams where someone doesn't actually own that property, sort of purports to own it and be able to rent it, and enters into an arrangement with the tenant where they usually take the money and, and run. And I think typically we think of that as sort of a situation where someone fakes uh, an online listing, puts the ad up, and then says to a tenant, you know, you have to pay your security deposit before you, and you can't see the place first because for whatever reason they give why that can't happen, uh, and then they take the money and run. This particular yeah. scam is like that ladder kind but definitely much more involved oh yeah for sure i mean probably a lot of people have heard of these online scams where you've got like a fake photo up on facebook or craigslist mm. or something and and the guy says you know send me the money in advance and the place is yours i mean you can kind of sniff those ones out but once you're let into the suite you're being shown the suite you're being shown multiple properties they're checking out your references like I can understand how someone would fall for that, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think uh, one of the things we say to tenants a lot of the time is one of the best ways to defend yourself against a scam is make sure that you can actually go to the place with the, the you know, your in future landlord and make sure that you can get in there, that it's a reasonable suite and it's the one you want to rent. So where that actually, where, where that actually happens, where a scammer can do that, it does you know, disengage that kind of defense that a tenant can raise. Yeah, man, oh man, you got to be so alert to this stuff. Let's go to the open line, speak to Rick on the line in Delta. Hi, Rick, go ahead. Well, I've been able to help out my son and a couple of my daughter's friends because uh, to me, the first big one is cash, the first red light. Um, but I've been able to find, I have an account with Land Title, and I've been able to go online and find out if they're actually the owner. And, uh, you know, mm. it costs a couple bucks to have a peek, but... Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's been easy to do. We had a, a property in the neighborhood where one of the neighbor's kids wanted to rent this house. It was people from Texas who said they were investors, and I happened to know that the property itself had sold a couple years previously, and it was a Chinese individual that was in the investor living here in the Lower Mainland. And I told the kid, I said, you know, unless it's been sold again, and again, I was able to find out and mm. okay uh, but this one this one you're describing in victoria seems pretty elaborate but yes I, 
for me, it's cash or e-transfer. There's a huge red light there because I'm a landlord, and the reality of it is when we're interviewing a tenant, I want to check. First thing I want to be able to find out, is it going to bounce? Okay, thanks for the call. Robert, what do you think about that? We just have a minute here. Like when they ask you for cash up front, is that a red light for you or the alarm bell should go off? I think it's somewhat of a red flag. I think Rick has also really correctly identified one of the really good things a tenant can do to protect themselves as a further step beyond just being able to get into the property is to do that land title search. It only costs around $12 uh, to do, so it can be a small cost that can save you a lot of pain later. And it lets you identify, get to the land title certificate for the rental property, and it'll show you the registered owner. Now, it might be that a scammer pretends to be that particular person uh, and tells you that's what their name is, in which case you might want to ask for like a driver's license or some kind of confirmation of identity. But I think Rick is also correct in like when a landlord is asking for payment uh, in, in an otherwise somewhat fishy situation where they're asking for payment in some uh, untraceable amount or unrecoverable amount, and also one that can just be, you know, go to an anonymous email address or just be handed over in cash. That is, there is more possibility for fraud there as opposed to when you make the checkout to the name of the registered owner, for example, then you can be more confident that it's, uh, uh, you know, a legitimate uh, setup. But I I think in general, Rick uh, has some good experience there and some good tips. Robert, thank you for coming on today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. We keep our focus on inflation. Now, in the previous half hour there, we talked about soaring food prices and how everyone is feeling the pinch. Lots of people are making alternative arrangements to try and save on their food bill. What are some other ways you can save money? Well, we're going to talk about stuff you should never buy. Now have a listen to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau here. He says he he feels your pain here. Have a listen to Trudeau. Global inflation has made cost of living a real challenge for lots of people. All summer, members of Liberal Caucus have been talking to Canadians, listening to people's worries about their future, about how difficult it is to make ends meet right now. Yes, he feels your pain and the government says they're trying to help. But tell you what, People are trying to help themselves with making smart choices as consumers. Let's discuss it now with my guest, Barry Choi. Barry is a personal finance expert, and I'm very pleased to welcome him back to the show. Hey, Barry, thanks for coming on today. No problem. Thanks for having me again. Okay. Hey, Barry, let's talk about some stuff that people spend money on that maybe they could avoid or maybe spend a lot less. So we've got a list we want to go through here. So let, <laughs> let's start with uh, credit card interest. Now, this is one I learned a long time ago as a younger guy when I used to max out my credit card. Man, oh, man, they just cream you on the interest rates, right? Yeah, that's a very after way of putting it. I don't want to blame just credit card interest rates. Let's go with high interest debt, which happens to include uh, credit cards, That would also include things such as, you know, a payday loan and in some cases an auto loan. But to be fair, auto loans are pretty reasonable these days. Uh, But for those who are listening at the ARC familiar, if you pay off your credit card bills in full and on time, it's great. It's an interest-free loan. However, if you uh, are off by a day or two or even, uh, you're charged basically at a minimum 20% interest. And you don't need to be a math genius to understand that 20% is, is a lot. Um, that said, I certainly understand that in this time of inflation, people are struggling to build and they may only be using their credit cards to survive, uh, but there are better solutions out there. 
Okay, and for people who are, I mean, it's very easy to say just don't carry a credit card balance. Yeah. I, I get it. But for people who maybe can't afford to pay off their credit card bill, like I think one of the longstanding advice is consider some sort of a debt consolidation loan, right? Get a lower interest rate to pay those cards off. Would you Would you advise that? That's exactly it. So yeah. like we were just saying, a, cre- a credit card interest rate is usually typical, typically 20%. Uh, but you can get like a, if, if you've got good savings with your bank, you can get a line of credit for, you know, about six to seven percent, which is significantly cheaper. That said, the line of credit is still a loan. So if you're not if you're if you max out that loan and don't pay off your credit card bills or say you, you pay off your credit card bills and then max out that other loan, you still owe money. Right. So, so you need to have some kind of plan. But the idea here is to eliminate high interest debt and to focus on low interest debt. OK, how about some risky investments like we've talked on this show before barry about (laughs) cryptocurrency you know like a lot of people made money in cryptocurrency when it was going up now it seems to do nothing but go in the other direction where do you stand on that one crypto you you know as as an overall rule i'll say that you know if you want to invest in riskier things there's nothing wrong with that as long as it's a small portion of your portfolio but I feel that a lot of people get swept into these type of investments because they're going to get, they think they're going to get rich quickly. You know, I was reading an article recently on CBC. It's talking about how this grandmother uh, fell for this quote unquote scam, this crypto king. He was promising 20% returns. And she was like, oh, this is a great idea. I've got $70,000. I'm going to make $14,000 for my grandchildren who to go to school uh, next year. Like, listen, if it sounds too good to be true, uh, it's it's probably fake, right? Uh, so so people really need to ask themselves: Do you want to go with what's being trusted, or do you want to try to get rich quick, knowing that you could also lose all your money at the same time? Okay, how about entertainment expenses? Do you think that people <laughs> typically, when when you're advising people as a personal finance guy, and you're trying to sort of look for those leaks in someone's budget, where are they spending too much money? Do you find people are spending too much money on like personal entertainment? Uh, I think that's a fair assessment, and it really depends on the individual. You know, these days, it's very easy to get caught up, you know, myself included. I remember for a little while, um, my wife and I were subscribed to, like, Disney+, Plus, HBO, Netflix, Spotify, YouTube. And then you don't really think about it on a monthly basis, but we add it up, you know, $70, $100 a month. Uh, so subscription services is one thing that we're, where you can quickly cut back, if you want to say that. But even other things, like, you know, going out. Uh, I would argue restaurants is part of entertainment. You know, back in the day, yeah. before the pandemic, a lot of people were going to movies, concerts, whatever. And there's nothing wrong. Don't get me wrong, wrong here. Like, you can totally go out, enjoy yourself, but you should really just set a budget more than more than anything else. Yeah, for sure. I mean, r- the restaurant prices are going up for sure. What about dining in, like getting food delivery? This is one that I'm struggling with now because I find the skip the dishes and the DoorDash apps are just so so easy to use on your phone, but man, they just soak you with the fees. So I'm trying to cut back on that. Are you finding a lot of people are overspending on that stuff? You know, like you said, the convenience factor is there. Sometimes, you know, you're you're tired, you've had a long day of work, you want to order in. Uh, There's something wrong with that, but it it is, it's true. Those, those fees at DoorDash, all of them charge Uber Eats, they're significantly higher. The restaurants also typically charge more because they have to pay a cut to the companies delivery fees. Uh, you know, last time I was on the show, we we're talking about tip inflation. Uh, so yeah, obviously you might want to cut back or maybe you want to call the restaurants directly and walk over to pick it up and that could actually save you a bit of money, maybe stretch your dollar a bit. Uh, or like we said last time, learn to cook. 
<laughs> Learn to cook. Yeah, that's good advice. Speaking to Barry Choi, he's a personal finance expert. We're talking about ways to save money with record high inflation, stuff you should maybe not spend money on or at least cut back on. Uh, someone told me never buy home exercise equipment, like never set up a home gym because you won't use it anyway, or don't even buy a gym membership. I don't know about that. I, I think you should take care of your personal health. I mean, that should be maybe your top priority, but what do you think about that? Do people waste money on that and personal fitness? Uh, you know, I think it's, it's uh, it can be a good investment if you actually use the stuff. And, you know, the good thing about personal fitness equipment at home and it's one-time use, you know, you know, I, I would argue gym memberships where you're not using it is a bigger waste of money. I am 100% guilty of that. I'm spending about $45 <laughs> a month on my gym membership. Uh, I've gone maybe once in September, and, and that's being generous. Uh, so, oh, no. you, you, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, where you feel like, oh, if I cut it, then I'll never work out. But I'm also not working out right now. So, what's the <laughs> oh, no. Uh, uh, so, so I think we're all guilty of that. Like, I, I'm an expert, but at the same time, I'm very guilty of many things. Okay. Okay. What about the, uh, the age old personal finance advice about, you know, let's stop buying that latte every day. I mean, does that one still hold up as wise advice? People spend too much money and just like simple things like buying lunch or just buying it, buying a coffee. You know, yes and no. It depends on the situations from a basic straight math standpoint. If you're spending $3 on a coffee every single day, yeah, that's about $1,800 a year, year you're spending. Uh, but like, let's be real. A lot of people are on a fixed income. You know, they may, may not be able to, to earn additional income. So telling people to, Hey, you know, if you just cut your coffee, it's going to solve all your problems. Like that's not a real solution, right? Like, like, let's just recognize that not everyone's in that situation. Uh, uh now if you're buying lunch every single day and, and a coffee spending 10, $20 a day, sure. Definitely. It, it adds up. Um, but I, I, I think it's one of those things where you just need to look at the bigger picture. And if you're trying to figure out how to stretch your money, you got to see what's more valuable than that coffee. And if you're able to afford a $3 coffee, it's like, who cares? Uh, because there are other things like we're talking about, like my gym membership was basically $3 a day, probably more. And I'm, I'm literally throwing that away right now. Okay. I, I listened to a personal finance guy on, on YouTube the other day. And one of the tips he had was never buy a, uh, a new car. Never buy, mm -hmm. always buy a used, a used car. And if you're looking for a, a later model, model, model vehicle, buy a car that's like one or two years old, you know, to make sure you get good quality vehicle because the depreciation rate on a new vehicle, as soon as you drive it off the lot is just, is just too much. What do you think of that advice? Stay away from a new car, buy a used car instead. You know, I personally have actually bought and used cars uh, twice in my lifetime. So I think it's definitely a good value. You, you know, this is, I feel like it was 10 years ago was the last time I did it. Um, but, you know, it was a 2009 Subaru at the time. It was 2012. A new model was about $13,000 more. Uh, and, and to your point, the second you drove off the lot, the depreciation was significant. So uh, I did math and I realized that, hey, you know, this car that I found, the kilometers are reasonable. The maintenance record is pretty good. Uh, the brand of vehicle itself did not have many reports of maintenance issues. Uh, so to me, it was a good value. Uh, but I'll tell you this, when we bought our most recent car, I was not going to argue with my wife when she insisted on buying a new car. It was just <laughs> not worth the, the fight. Uh, we were in a financial situation where we could afford it. And to be fair, right now, the used car market is so hot. 
uh, that it's it's a, you don't really get a deal anymore. More. So if so, right now, and also you know, if you need a car, you need a car. If, if the first car you can get is new, then sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. All right. Talking about stuff you should never buy with personal finance expert Barry Choi. Let's go to your phone calls. Kevin in Vancouver. Hi, Kevin. Go ahead. Hey, so my uh, solution to the inflation problem was to ignore it, and uh, that didn't work out too well. So now that I've realized <laughs> I'm running out of money quickly, uh, I have cut down on my spending and, and definitely uh, just you know going out to restaurants less, et cetera. But I did want to touch on the gym equipment. Um, I have actually yeah. found it to be a great investment um, by used. But, you know, if you're just starting out or you think it's a good idea, don't spend the three grand. Buy, use, see if you like it, and then, you know, go headstrong into it. It's a great investment. Okay, great suggestion, Barry. What do you think of that? Buy, used. If you're going to buy home gym equipment, yeah, good idea. If you can find good quality used stuff, why not? You know, in general, you're right. Buying, used is never a bad idea. If you're getting quality uh, equipment, not just necessarily gym stuff, even clothing for kids, uh, anything huh. used, not only will you save money, but it'll also help the planet. Yeah, for sure. Louise in Horseshoe Bay. Hi, Louise. Yes, I just wanted to say that the advice on buying a used car yep. was, in the past, excellent advice, and everything held true. But in today's new world, that does not hold true, and more often than not, the used 22 is more than the new 23. So... I think that's bad advice telling people to still look uh, in the past at an old paradigm that no longer holds. Okay, Louise, thank you for that. Well, like you said, Barry, the price of used vehicles has gone way up. We did talk about that. We did say it goes up, so obviously you just need to com- price compare always. Yeah, yeah. No, prices are up for used vehicles. Supply is down. Prices are up. Kathy in Vancouver. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Mike. Hi. Hi, go ahead. Uh, oh, I just wanted to say that uh, I've been shopping for consignment clothes, shoes, bags for almost a decade now, and I find it very difficult to buy retail. Vancouver has beautiful consignment stores, and, uh, yeah, it, I find it hard to buy new. <laughs> Thank you, Kathy. Yeah, I think a lot of people are checking out the thrift stores these days for sure. Stephen in Burnaby. Hi, Stephen. What do you think? Hey, I was calling about the used car issue too, and yeah. I have personally never bought a new car. Uh, my wife recently, literally, we just picked up yesterday, went with a used car. But right now, with the market, like you call her a couple of callers ago, said it's not worth it if you're looking for one or two years old. Cars that are in mm. good shape, two years old, are selling for more than ordering something brand new. So it sucks if you're in a position where you need something right now. What kind of used vehicle were you able to get? I picked up a Ford Edge, we, well, my wife did yesterday, but we went with a 2018. It was, if I was looking for newer, if I wanted a 2020 or newer, the 2021s, 2020s are selling for either the same price or more than ordering a brand new factory build. Thank you for that, Stephen. Let's squeeze in one more call here. Shirley on the line in Abbotsford. Shirley, you got 30 seconds here. Go ahead. Okay, all I need to say is bottled water. It's the biggest, uh, you know, scam going is bottled water. When we have beautiful water in BC, why should anybody be buying bottled water? Okay, Shirley, thank you for an awesome call. That's a great way to end it. Bottled water, you agree with her, Barry? 100% bottled water is a huge waste. (laughs) Okay, that's good advice. Barry, thank you for coming on today. No problem, anytime. (laughs)